WGD People Who Inspire podcast was started as a forum by which we could speak, educate, and encourage people around safe culture through diversity, equity, and inclusion practice. In a world where I can see divisiveness is on the rise, and I'm told that fake news spreads seven times faster than the truth on social media, I want to ask people to reconnect to that which goes beyond propaganda and connect to that part of ourselves that remembers that each human is valuable. Here we highlight the many, many inspirational voices in our world who are striving to move us in a direction of a safer culture overall. Today we have Rosalind Humphreys. She's a trans individual and a long-standing member of the LGBTQ2SI plus community who has been involved in activism for a large part of her adult life, including advocacy for marginalized people, women, and trans advocacy. She is a founding member of the Pride Society in her community, and Rosalind is here to talk to us about equity, diversity, and inclusion advocacy, and the challenges that can arise when we try to create change in our communities. Hello, Rosalind. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So it's it's lovely to be chatting with you. Uh, we, we don't do this enough. We really don't. We need to do this more often. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I just have so much respect for you and all of the things that, that you and your wife have done for our community. I mean, it's just, it's, again, like I, I couldn't ask for better friends. I just think, wow. Well, well, thanks, you know, and uh, it's, uh, it's been, um, it's been quite a journey. And uh, I, I'm really happy we're, um, you know, to to share a bit of this with you. And, and uh, there couldn't be anybody better to share it with. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. So, so why don't why don't we jump right right into it? So, tell us a bit about your own story and how that you know, Cole's notes, how we got into, like, how you what what got you into advocacy in the first place, really. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I was, um, I've always been a bit of a social worker ever since the schoolyard from my earliest recollection. And, um, and, um, I was always, um, uh, being a trans person, uh, my, my, um, you know, the, the struggle, my own struggle with that really alerted me to, uh, others who have, um, dealt who were dealing with uh, difficulties like being picked on in the schoolyard and those that weren't fitting in i mean i i I identified for sure yeah yeah i identified really strongly with them and so um you know i i didn't i didn't do tons but i did my part when it was safe to do so and uh so i've always um you know i've always been a firm believer in equal treatment and uh and fairness for people and, and, uh, taking people at face value and not, uh, and, and, you know, I've really spent a lot of time in introspection. Um, and, uh, I've, um, I've studied psychology and sociology. It's been part of my work, uh, in, um, implementing those, uh, those learnings. And, uh, so every step of the way has reinforced, um, that, uh, you know that fairness for everybody and uh, the need to 
be around for others when they're facing difficulties. Uh, you know, it's just been a, uh, a central part of what I've what I've done for many years. And, that makes uh, so, so much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of a little bit of a snapshot. Uh, you know, I don't know how far you want to go into that. I mean, I. Well, I I would like to ask you one one particular question, because I know this is coming up as a as a very. Um, big debate right now in yeah. the, you know, in, in our communities, right? As we look towards, like my last guest, um, Carrie Isham was talking about the importance of sexual education and gender education and how we can, we can bring this sort of advocacy into our, into our younger school systems. Um, yeah. And what I can say is that one of the things that's been, um, well, my most common asked question as the pride society president in our community is is what do the letters mean like people don't know what the letters mean so they don't know what the l and the g and the b and the t and the q mean and so you know i find myself answering that question a lot but one of the the other things one of the 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 things that keeps getting reported too is that children are still being bullied for not being part of the binary and by the binary we mean the the by means two, so we have the the, the traditional uh, female role, we have the traditional male role, and then um, you know people who don't fit within that spectrum are still getting bullied. Which right. I I don't know that I was I was super surprised, but I was a little surprised as to the extent. Now, one of the big things that I've also seen is that there are these anti, um, you know, sogi people and there's a bunch of other people who are really um you know they think that that children shouldn't be deciding what their gender is super young as though it's a choice you know um so i guess my all of that is just a little background as to this this question to you when was your first sense that you might be someone who didn't fit into that binary um, you know, it, it's a, um, it's kind of like a little bit like a, the, the rings of a tree or, or an onion. It's that it's, it's just been a, a, an awareness. And, you know, the awareness was there, um, you know, at four years old, I, I, uh, you know, I was dressing and knew that it was, uh, I mean, dressing, I mean, I was cross-dressing, if you like, um, and I knew that it was um, not culturally acceptable. And, so at four um, years old, you were both already dressing like a female, and then, but already sort of carrying the, the shame or the knowledge that it wasn't culturally acceptable. That's well, huge. Well, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, um, a twin, there's, there's kind of two sides to that, as that, um, you know, it, I, I was at peace with who I was in many ways, but uh, um, but I at four years old I realized and I was hiding. I remember one instance of hiding from my dad, and he was he was um, looking for me, and I was uh, dressed, and I was four years old. I know I was four years old because um, he wasn't around much longer after that. So um, so I, I I knew so I had it 
it was in me right away, knowing that culture, that our society around me was, um, it, it wouldn't be safe. And um, wow. that, uh, so a very, very powerful, uh, but I also considered it to be just, um, it just what I was. And, and I accepted that and just knew that I just needed to stay safe. And, and I always was aware of who I needed to be around. I had kind of a sense of who was safe and who wasn't so so there's this sort of duplicity going on really like there's this almost living a a double life what you could uh, already for you're understanding who you are and who you're allowed to present I don't think I really had a concept of that you know this was trans it was wasn't really a known no words for Um, it yeah yeah there was no words for it and we're talking quite a number of decades ago now, right? So, um, so... Um, like two? <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, we should do this more often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, um, I, I knew that that was uh, um, part of me. I, I just simply always felt uh, uh, like that was a free part of myself, but part I had to... Um, protect and so so yeah I mean it it it, it you know you're raised in culture and uh, it, and raised to be a boy and all that and genders and um that uh literally uh, and genders yes exactly you know so um and and so you kind of it's very fortunate in a lot of ways to get insights into um in, into that mindset uh, and uh, be to have that level of awareness and, and of course you don't realize this as you're young going through all that stuff I mean you take it in stride and and very careful um, I never spoke to um, a, another living human being about my uh, gender identity until I was in my early 40s so um, so, so you, you know that's a, this secret so there was a lot of um, but I mean was it was it was just a part of me that uh, I felt was very it was my my personal thing and I you know on one hand yes I actually felt like I might uh, like a little part of me felt like I might die if, if people knew that and in yeah. a very kind yeah. of psychological sense not a not well, I a, felt that way a, even as as a lesbian person right like yeah, there yeah. was so much homophobia growing yeah. up in in my yeah. town like Gabe yeah. I'm I'm only a couple of decades old too and so Gabe actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I I shouldn't say I'm 45 years old and I was born in 1975 and yeah. the yeah. community that I grew up within really felt as though gay to be gay to be anywhere on the gay spectrum even you know to be a cross mm-hmm. or to be any of those things um, the messaging to me was that you were deceased. You were somehow really, really broken and really, really gross mm-hmm. and yeah. um, and deserving of hateful acts and um, mm-hmm. gay bashing and all sorts of stuff. So I, too, yeah. hid that part of my identity from myself for mm-hmm. decades and yeah. then from the mm-hmm. community for decades longer. Yeah. 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 No, it's um, yeah. You, you kind of develop a shell to protect yourself, and uh, and 
you know, that um, <clears throat> whenever I had the opportunity to reflect on what somebody was saying around me about when there was negativity, I would, um, I would uh, not be supportive of, uh, of that negativity. But, it, but at the same time, um, there were instances when it just simply wasn't safe to say what, what I was thinking. And, uh, and, and to be quite honest, um, it was so buried in me that uh, I, you know, I hadn't crystallized my, my whole thought process. And I only had a sense of what was right and what was wrong. And I knew that uh, the attitudes of a lot of my friends toward um, LGBTQ um, to SI, sorry, I'm, I'm part of the community, and I that that particular list of um, <laughs> that I'm kind of I'm stripping over. I I I inherit. I had a sense of what was right and wrong around that, and and other people, and so um, I was also raised in a in a uh, so so. Yeah, I mean, there's there's you know a term that. Um, that I've talked about as, as we established uh, for 10 years, we established a group for trans people in, in the area here that, uh, you know, there was a lot of instances when I would talk about internalized homophobia and transphobia yes. and the kinds yes. of damage that that does. And um, so I, I, uh, I, I'm a personal witness that my my dad actually had a relationship with a or what had a trans or had a friend who had a trans friend and I really reacted negatively to to that person because that that really struck a core in me so I I really um, did um, you know I did experience internalized transphobia. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. Yeah. I had this, I had, I had uh, homophobia, right? Here I, yeah. I, I, because I was denying that part of myself yeah. because I was trained to think that that part of myself was so very sick, right? That to be yeah. around other people who were embracing their sexuality made yeah. me feel as though they might awaken that part of myself that I that my very life depended on denying, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and I I always uh, as part of my uh, process to uh, coming out, if you like to to use that expression, was that um, really started to realize that the people that were reacting negatively are people that have uh, unresolved, most likely can be, not always, but have unresolved issues about their um, sense of their own gender and sexual identity uh, that they simply just have not. And I sometimes think of them as being, uh, you know, um, young beings when I'm aware that somebody is because they simply uh, are dealing with something their brain uh, has not, fully adjusted to and uh, and for a lot of them maybe will never but I I always I am a big believer in that people do change that there's yeah. there's yeah. given given the right environment that that uh, that there's there's always room for change and I that, agree um, I agree if you yeah. if you present I mean I've changed infant, and you've changed yeah, right changed you went massively. you went from from very clearly being a trans phobic individual 
to to the the exact opposite, which is really advocating yeah. for trans individuals in a community where I can't imagine that was the easiest thing to do. It was, I mean, coming out, I mean, it was, it was a whole other process in of itself. Uh, it was a lot of pain and, uh, and uh, but it's a lot of self knowing, you know, and uh, in a way like it's uh, it's a double-edged sword as much as it uh, can feel like an attack. It's a liberation of your internal self. It's, it's a freeing and, um, and so in that really um, fervor, you know, um, as I became, as I started to really come to terms, and I was like, when I say transphobic, I mean I was like eight or nine years old. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, and um, but you know, that's a place where uh, you know people start to crystallize their attitudes, and and um, so yeah, I, I obviously moved beyond that kind of reaction slowly but surely as I got older, you know, and um, so. Uh, you know, I, I was a child of the 60s and and the hippie, um, you know, that, that revolution that, that we're all free birds, that we're all just these these beings that are working toward, a, a, you know, the state of bliss. <laughs> you, know, oh, so yeah. I, you know, so, <laughs> so you know, I, I live and let live really became yeah, yeah, part of yeah. me as well, you know, as I accepted myself in a very closeted way but I I the, the fervor along that scale I became the fervor um I became a um saw myself as a I, I realized that if I was going to come out that uh you know I couldn't do it without um without uh being there for others yeah. you know if yeah. I because I had a lot of life skills in Working within advocacy, um, working on behalf of women in in, um, in difficult relationships and dealing with uh, people in poverty and many other um, of the the things that were occurring for a lot of my client population as a as like a social worker in oh the ministry. Gosh. So yes. so I had spent years advocating on behalf of people. Um, working with them to ensure that the messaging they heard from me, um, what everything was I could possibly do was to build them up and and um, to give them moments of um, supportiveness for their you know their sense of who they were you know so oh when I as I started to come out I realized that you know. Um, you know the term trans warrior is a is a is a is a term that's been passed around, and so um, you know I said, well, like you know I'm going to be there, right? You know, so we, I, you know, when I was I went through my relationship breakup and dealt with stuff, I was on my feet and started the um, group for the um, trans peoples, um, basically. The meeting group. I didn't. I didn't call it an, a, a, a therapy group or anything like that. I simply didn't have those qualifications. But it was basically a safe space for trans people. And beautiful. Uh, so beautiful. So so it was. Um, but it was a joy, you know, like this this stuff, right? When you're able to um, provide an environment that's safe, 
you know, and you see people uh, start to um, uh, come out of their shells. Oh, and, yes. Um, and it's so wonderful, isn't it? Like, what a treat to watch you know, people come into their own, you know? And yeah. it's like, it, it really is like that blossoming, you know? It's so it's, beautiful. You know, I what was an honor. An, yeah, I was truly honored. You know, I was the one that was getting back way more than I was giving. Always, and that's all the way it is. If you're, I think, if you're, you know, if that's what your real mission in, in life is, it, it it can be so rewarding that um, people teach me stuff all the time. If you if you're open with people, and and I think that's a lot of um, you know good communication is uh, being open and and being uh, just being in the moment with people that uh, you're you're you know they they sense that. Um, that openness and and they also um, see it. And this is something really that um, I believe that a lot of people um, aren't heard in in their lives. And they're, um, you know, if you can be there for a moment and and actually listen, even if it's simple stuff in life, I mean, people really value that on on a level that's, uh, um, I think is really, really good. So I'm, I'm, you know, honest, open dialogue in a safe, respectful way is, is a powerful thing. And, um, and, uh, and as much as like the other part of my background is I was born in London, England. I was born into a, a racist, prejudiced environment where I was taught at you know, very, very young that the Irish are our enemies because we were at war with the Irish. Oh, wow. And, wow. And, and I was part of an environment where um, we had huge, uh, in, in London, in England, the British, influx yeah. of, um, of, uh, of um, many different types of, uh, of uh, different colored peoples coming into the country. Uh, and, and for example, um, when... Idi Amin came to power. Many of the people in that country came had simply had passports because of the, the you know the their the British system, and uh, so we saw huge influxes of uh, these 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 people, and 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 also I was surrounded by hate and prejudice toward people, and so and I also um, you know I also was influenced by that, and I. And I learn, you learn this stuff, and then you unlearn it, and uh, learn uh-huh. so much about about what what it means to um, recognize that uh, you know it's in all of us. Yeah. You know these yeah. these these prejudices. Well, and it's these, taught, isn't it? It's a taught it's thing. Taught. It's yes, a taught it thing. A, so if you can yeah. be taught these things, you can be. You can be retaught or untaught these things, you know. So, so this is the most beautiful part about, you know. I, I can we just backtrack one second? Yeah. So uh, you've just yeah. said so many things, you know, and and I, I just want to say, you know, a, a little while ago, as I as I I'm not sure if I mentioned, but a little while ago, I was super frustrated with these these weird. Um, I, I'm I'm an advocate too. And as you know, anytime you try to make change in the world, you you can come up you come up against resistance. Whether you're asking some one one individual to change their behavior, you're asking a whole group of individuals to change their behavior. Um, really, 
you, you're just going to come up against resistance. And I've come up against a great deal of resistance recently around some of the advocacy work I do. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the Canadian Centre for Women's Empowerment, and I do some, some other big things and uh, that feel big to me anyways. And, um, yeah, so I was getting all this, this flack. And so you go, to, you go to sleep, I don't know about you, but I go to sleep at night and I sort of, I, I, I think when, when you're a, an advocate or I, I don't, again, I don't, I don't want to speak for all advocates, but for me as an advocate, I eat, breathe and sleep advocacy. I think I'm, I'm constantly, you know, I, I can, I can have fun for, for some time and I can do that sort of stuff, but I actually, I, be, I truly believe that it is my purpose here on, on, on earth. It's, it's why I'm here. And so, you know, so, so I, 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 when I'm sleeping, I'm dreaming about these things that I can remember I had this dream and I was arguing so, so fervently with somebody in my dream. And I said, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that at all because that is not where we're going. Yeah. And then yeah. I woke up and then, yeah. and then I wrote this, this, I've, I wrote the safe diversity, equity and inclusion pledge. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, which, which is part of what this podcast, part of what a lot of the stuff that I do is, is built upon. It's about this, you know, where are we going? Where are we going? And I just want to say like, so, so the thing raised that, that we advocate for safe, equitable, equitable, diverse, and inclusive communities. This is you, my <laughs> this is you, my friend. We connect, collaborate, communicate, create, and cooperate with those who are doing the same. When you chose to put this, 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 when you chose to build a pride society in our community, when you chose to stand up for, for trans individuals, for yourself and for other trans individuals, as soon as you found yourself, you thought, oh, there was other people who need, might need to find themselves. And, and, and then you did that too, like phenomenal. And then, you, you, you know, the other thing is look, we look within ourselves to see where we can overcome bias and improve our own personal awareness and behavior, right? So, you know, just because we, we've come to this level of advocacy doesn't mean we don't have more to learn. We always have more to learn. There's always evolving to do, you know? But one of my favorite parts of this is it's just to speak against or walk away from hate speech, destructive communication and oppressive behaviors. Really vote for kindness with your, your action. And I think one of the most important things you, you've said, and you've said it a couple times here, is that it's not always safe to speak up. And when we talk about advocacy, when we talk about, we don't mean you run into every arena where whether you're safe or not safe and you, you know, no, we want you to be safe. The whole point of advocacy, advocacy work is so that we can be more safe in our community. Is that right? Is that what you're getting at when you're saying, you know, it's, it, you've said a few times, it's not always safe. What do you mean by it's not always safe? Well, you know, that's that's a range of things. I mean, sometimes it can be a physical safety thing if somebody um, is has uh, an attitude uh, of anger toward um, a certain, um, you know, whether that's anger toward your gender or toward your clothing or toward whatever it is they're angry about. Could that, be your title. Um, Could be just having a place of power in the world. Could be just holding space yeah. in general sometimes in yeah. 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 So, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, if that, that if somebody is, is displaying um, danger or 
behavior that is uh, seems to be unstable uh, or particularly uh, uh, inflamed or revved up, I, you know, it, it's probably it's probably not a good idea to step in and start pointing out um, anything. <laughs> but most of the time, it's not like that. Most of the time, people are, um, people, unless they're sociopathic, people are, uh, you know, want to be aware and want to be seen as, um, as uh, you know, uh, as having fair, just ways of, I mean, I think, we as a society, that's such a, it's a, it's, it is part of our value system. Um, And so quite often when somebody is making comments or behaving in such a way that is displaying um, negative behavior, um, you know, that uh, there, there is often an opportunity to, um, to just simply um, divert them away from that by simply uh, pointing out something, uh, you know, by just simply distracting them and re trying to re-engage their their thought process in a. We do this with teaching, don't we? We we redirect behavior. We think, and and that's just it too. It's not always productive. I found it's not always productive to call somebody out on their destructive communication, or even, you know, it's good to have boundaries. Don't get me wrong. I I think it's good to have boundaries and to say, you know, I don't really accept this, this behavior. I don't really want this, this from you. What's what, you know, what are we going to do differently? Um, But, but really to focus on the solution, right? Like to say, okay, yes, we we don't want this. So I, when it's not safe, I'm at least not going to engage in the hate. I'm not going to engage in the, not going to participate or give audience to, or, or encourage this oppressive behavior. But at the same time, it says we vote for kindness. So we can say, you know, um, I have said many times, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm listening to you. Can you listen to me too? And, and yeah, immediately I, it happens, right? It's beautiful. It's yeah, a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, you know, when somebody is acting uh, aggressively, um, it's, it's uh, you know, it sort of threads back into that concept that they're dealing with some unresolved issue and, uh, and it's taken them years to get to that point. Um, you, a person won't necessarily um, change their uh outlook in a you know with a single um sentence or two but all you can do is for a moment just get them to um distract to a place where they may um second take a second look at their own behavior and and, um i i've i've seen uh a instance of, or you know, maybe it was even on in a in a in a documentary or an educational thing, but somebody that was berating a woman in a, an aggressive way, uh, an onlooker simply uh, pointed out um, something completely neutral about the situation that was neither, um, you know, that that simply had no bearing on the matter, but it drew the attention of the aggressor. Uh, away for a moment and made them stop and think and uh, so uh, so it, it there's a there's a thing that happens when there's aggression happening is that um, uh, 
that that um, we we start to think of them as an aggressor, of, as a bad person, as somebody who is maybe evil or bad or representative of a lot of things you don't like. And if you if you throw out conversation that reflects that in any way, you're going to entrench them in their position. You really have to distract them in a certain way to to start to um, come down to earth a little bit to, in terms of, and then um, and then if it's safe to do so, to to say you know it seems like you know that's that's a, that's a heck of a lot of aggression that was happening there. I, yeah, and you know, I, you know, to, to somehow reflect on their behavior in a non-judgmental way. If you can, mm-hmm. if you can, mm-hmm. if you can, if you can in any way um, present yourself as being very non-judgmental in their behavior, just be so that for a moment they'll see their own behavior as as bad, but not being judged. Yeah. you will take them to a different place. You know, so it's so, more of a more of a mirroring thing. Is that is that? Yeah, it it's just it's just kind of um, just drawing their attention to off the track of that aggression or off the track of that attitude, interesting, and interesting. and just and just give them a moment to because people, like I said, unless it's sociopathic, really don't want to be like that. And don't so want to hurt can, people, yeah. They, yeah, they, they yeah. generally don't, but they've, they've, they've spent years, that's how they've dealt with those attitudes and those that's reactions. That's how they've learned. All of those things, that, yeah. That's what they've yeah. learned to do. So if you can, if you can represent um, for a moment somebody who's calm and just say, hey, you know, like, what's going on? Hey, just kind of coming across the situation and just double checking and wow, it sounded pretty heated, uh, you know, and, and, yeah, um, what's, what are we are doing you, here? Yeah. Yeah. What's it's very going interesting. Like, yeah. yeah as you know, you're so, speaking, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the things that speak against or walk away from hate speech. And when we think about hate speech, what's the opposite of hate speech? Empathy. Right? It is. Empathy. It is. And when yeah. I think about destructive communication, what's the opposite of destructive communi- communication? Constructive communication. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when I think about, you know, what's the opposite of oppressive behaviors? Well, that's really building one another up. So, yeah. you know, this, yeah. this, maybe this is how we vote for kindness. What do you think? Yeah. That's, it, um, yeah. I mean, you really have to, um, if I set if I set out to um, to to um, somehow whatever the kind of situation is, if you set out to um, uh, basically um, try to teach somebody a lesson and yeah. and make them feel bad about themselves, you most likely will reinforce that negative behavior. I mean, this person. If that's where we get that straight up divisiveness from, right? And I think, yeah, yeah. you know, another interesting thing that comes up, I, 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 I know that you know this about, about me, but I'm not sure that, that maybe our, our, our listeners know this about me, but I'm a, I'm a recovery coach and I'm also, I've been a, an, an advocate for people who uh, suffer from addictions. I've been advocate for marginalized people like yourself. I've been, um, an advocate for uh, abuse victims and all sorts of stuff. Again, I've had these, these things myself. And so I really, you know, this, this sort of uh, advocacy work is, is 
part weaved into the you know to to my into my being and so one of the things that comes up is this sort of um this triangulation stuff that can happen and what i'm seeing this happen with with leadership too whereby they there's sort of a person up here who who stirs things up sometimes or says you know oh um you know i'm a rescuer and i'm here to help these victims over here from these perpetrators over here. So you've got your three sides, your rescuer, your perpetrator, and your victim. But so mm-hmm. long as people are, are playing in that role. And the, the interesting thing about it that I notice is that this person who's saying, you know, this, this is happening over here and this is happening over here, is creating this divisiveness, can actually control both of the other parties pretty easily through that divide, you know. And when we stop pegging each other into those one of those three roles I'm told that we can really step out of that um what what they what they would call uh one of the books that I I read called collaborating with the enemy which is interesting it's an interesting title it's an interesting book you know um uh they said you know we we have a tendency to enemyfy each other and now I'm not sure yeah. if enemyfy is a word anywhere else but in that book. But it describes very clearly what happens when we say, well, you're the enemy and thus I must come after you instead of remembering that there are human yeah. beings behind these yeah. concepts and, and that we really are stronger together. Yeah, I, I, well, I think that, um, you, know, there's a, you know, our language that we're raised with is um, it's pretty one dimensional. I don't think it really gives us a chance to, and we're not given chances to use our own language uh, from the get go in a way that um, that really is is uh, healthy communication. Um, and so we we basically uh, you know kind of spend a lifetime um, telling ourselves uh, things about our world that um, that that probably um, is not healthy, telling ourselves things about other people that probably isn't healthy. And, um, you know, that uh, um, so, you know, essentially when people want to go change other people, uh, sometimes there it can be because they've got unresolved issues within themselves because they've never learned how to work through certain things so they which is okay i mean how how to work through conflict is one of the hardest things i mean we we train people for years on conflict resolution you know so you know and conflict is simply when one person's needs are seen in opposition to another person's needs yeah and 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 we we want to label the behavior and label the person and um, essentially, you know, we all, um, and, and this is the whole male-female thing too, but males are way more apt to compartmentalize the well, to uh, sort things into to little buckets of organized information that, and, they, you know, that, um, and quite often, you know, if somebody hasn't had a good chance to self-develop, you know, they spend their life just reinforcing their own concept of their own world and they're constantly trying to reinforce their own concept of the world simply because 
you know, that um, there's lots of parts of the world they don't understand. And so, um, and, and this comes into racist and prejudicial behaviors where, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you, you see, you see people that are different from you and it's on a, it's on a range. There's nothing black and white about this whole subject, but. Um, it really isn't. But it, uh-uh. but it, like no, I just had a, an interview with, with a person who is, is black, indigenous and a person of color. And we were yeah. talking and, and raised in Canada by a white family, you know, so, yeah. so there, there's yeah. complexities to race that, you know, just, you know, that just are, that go beyond, you know, any one person's understanding, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. So um, depending on what your life experience has been um, and your awareness of other cultures and other traits and other gender um, um identities and other sexual identities that um, a lot of that may seem, um, uh, you know, anything from wrong to an uncomfortable place. And uh, so um, sometimes I think um, behaviors, you you just often want to simplify the world by continuing to categorize those behaviors. So whenever whenever there's um and the behavior of the individual are two different things exactly exactly yeah i mean and that's the other you know that's that's also a deeply seated um concept that uh you know is part and parcel of our language too our our language really doesn't um provide lots of openings to 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 think in in that so uh, yeah, because it me, but, but hate speech usually comes around as, you know, as, as I hate that person and I hate those guys and I hate that, you know, and, and, and so much about hate speech really has nothing at all to do with, I, I don't like this behavior. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it's, it's very, very interesting. The other thing I wanted to say was that, you know what, the, the last couple of things on the, on the thing is, is to share my gifts, time, talents, and platforms to raise the bar around communications, policies, and organizations. Now, if I've seen anybody do that in our world, it really is you and so like I, I really do see you speaking in favor of, of safety equity diversity and inclusivity and you know I, as I said at the beginning of this podcast uh, the last thing on the pledge is to be the change I want to see in the world and and Rosalind if I could be as much of a change as you as, as you have I you know you really are someone I have a deep respect for. And, I'm, and I thank you so much for sharing your, your time, your talents and your platforms to raise these bars. Like I just so much respect for you. Well, well, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, you know, again, you know, it's, it's you know, I've been felt uh, honored to, to be a part of a lot of situations and, and it's been such, I've had such personal growth uh, through, you know, putting myself out there. So, um, yeah, and, and I have to thank you so much for saying such kind things. And I, I, I equally reflect that back at you, Autumn, that uh, thank thank um, I'm really, really uh, um, honored to be in, you know, sitting in your energy sphere and, and your intention in this world is, uh, is a, 
it's kind of a healing kind of a, a approach that you know you want to be there for others and and heal situations and help people and you demonstrate that uh, in so many ways uh, that uh, um, I think it's awe-inspiring. So I, thank you. Oh, thank you. so kind. You and what you do. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. I think it comes right down to for for myself. It comes right down to I, I believe in us. I believe that we. I believe I. I believe because I've seen it so many times that we can change and we can we can rise above these things. I hold that belief, and because I believe in us, and I believe we can do it, I think that that I have hope, and 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 a, a willingness to strive for those changes. I think. I think in essence. Uh... Humanity as a whole is, is, uh, has more tendency to be positive and things are good. And, uh, and it, it's still a case of um, having to work through a lot of stuff, whether it's on an individual basis, community or, or national, international. Like there's, it's the working, the world is better than it was you know, 50, 100 years ago on, a, on an overall basis. And, uh, and um, but there's lots of work to be done, and uh, the the need to uh, you know identify where risks are for people, and and uh, and, and um, try to provide safe space to give people a chance to to um, start to come out of themselves and be whole again is is uh, a fantastic thing, and and uh, and. I, I commend you for your work you're doing to make that happen. Oh, thank you so very much. Well, you know what? It's just been such a wonderful pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rosalind, and uh, and for sharing your experience. You're so, I, I just, I love your your bravery. And, you know, I, I feel genuinely one of the things that, that happens, uh, that again, more inquiries from the Pride Society are around, you know, uh, people who, who have experienced a, a trans, understanding of themselves and this podcast I, I truly believe is is necessary for the education of of not only those who are going through it themselves but for those who are tr striving to understand others who who have this experience as well so you know thank you for your bravery your courage your honesty and your story today Rosalind I'm I'm, I'm so blessed to hear it thank you thank you for Thank you so much for listening today. You can sign the Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion petition at www.change.org forward slash safe culture. If you'd like more information about the WGD People Who Inspire podcast, you can email wgdpeoplewhoinspire at gmail.com or look for me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm Autumn Rock, your host. And I have signed the Safe Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Pledge. Have you?